Hey folks, I'm Jason. And I'm Eric. I teach people how to raise livestock on the land. And I teach people the Bible. I play a little banjo. And I play bass. I'm a passionate bow hunter. And I'm a die-hard Badgers fan. Together we're just two common folk trying to pursue Jesus. And live out our faith beyond Sunday's sermon. Well, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. It's it's getting cooler, so I'm I'm happy about that. Yeah, I, I think it's been I think it's become clear by now to the listeners that we are fans of fall. We are. All the good stuff is in fall. I think we covered that pretty pretty heavily on the yeah. last one, but we can talk about it again because I'm I'm excited about it. But I I'm at you know I can always find something to complain about, so I could <laughs> use it a little drier. It's a little, it's that weird where it's cool, but it's still like 90% humidity for a chunk of the day. And that's been a little weird for my sinuses. So that's your, that's your definition of dry. Cause at first when you said that, I was like, what are you talking about? Like, no, yeah, we're yes. in like a historic drought right now. <laughs> no, humidity wise, yeah. humidity wise, I could use it like 50% humidity would be, it would be nice. But again, like I said, that's me being real picky and finding something to complain about when there's nothing to complain about. So I can always find that one thing of like, I can complain <laughs> about this. And so that would be it. But no, it's been nice to be able to have the windows open. And now that we have three dogs, that, that helps with the overall smell in our house, getting some fresh air in there. Yeah. So, yeah. How about yeah. you? Well, the the colors are changing fast. I've, yeah. I haven't known what to expect with it being such a dry year. It continues to be um, historically dry. I think we actually broke we this is now going to be the the worst drought on record for wisconsin that's crazy and and it's weird because you still i mean we could use that as an analogy for an entire podcast but like the interesting sort of phenomenon that i keep observing is the general population including a lot of farmers who i talk to don't realize that it's as bad as it is. Right. And there's multiple reasons for that, but it all has to do with perspective. So like there's some people in some parts of the state where it's so bad, like it's really, really bad. Yeah. But like even here, it's much worse than what people think it is. And it might be because you don't live close to the land or you're not depending on the land right. for your livelihood. Or it could be that you actually are really happy that your you know golf tee times haven't been rained out at all this summer or it could be that you have an irrigation system and you haven't noticed it or it could be that you haven't harvested your crops yet and so you have just been kind of ignorant to it just because you haven't had to deal with it yet but i my prediction is um in the next couple of weeks, we'll hear more and more about it just because people will start becoming more aware of it. Yeah. But we've sort of been on this path all summer long. Absolutely. I'm trying, there was a quote, and I'm trying to remember what it was, but it was basically saying, your sphere of consciousness has to be bigger than your sphere of inconvenience. And it's basically this idea of like, you can't only be aware of the things that are 
actively inconveniencing you. You have to have a little bit of a wider of like, this isn't quite affecting me yet, but I have to be aware that it's happening. And I think it's part of that where it's like understanding like, okay, the, the dryness, the drought hasn't maybe affected you yet, but you might want to like understand because eventually it will. And And you don't want to wait until it's directly already hitting you to even be aware that it's there, you know? Yeah. Well, and there's lots of parts of life where that analogy holds true, whether it be, you know, managing our family budgets or, I mean, the the one thing that I thought of as you were describing that, and we don't talk about social issues very much in this podcast, right, right. but because that's not necessarily what it's about. Right. But it's interesting when you hear people take a stance on social issues, usually it's, well, that's not really a problem. Right. Why are you talking about that? That's not a problem. Well, yeah. it's not a problem in your little world, right. but it might be in someone else's. Yes. And I agree. And especially living in a smaller rural community, those types of things do yeah. tend to hit us way later, but they always... It, it eventually gets to us and right. it's like, yeah, it might start in the big cities and oh, that's a California thing or whatever. But eventually it does make its way to us. And so yeah. it's like being aware and understanding what you believe and where you, you feel you need to take stands is good to know ahead of time and not wait until it's already, especially with kids. Cause it's like, you don't want to wait until they're already talking about it with their friends and formulating their opinions before you even start to talk to them about it. You know, you want to be able to be the first ones to discuss right. what you believe about certain things. And I think there is a way that this segues into what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. And I think it it has to do with being, you know, seeing big picture, yep. not just choosing to have a narrow focus of just our own little world and just what affects us right now. And there's a lot of reason for that, but one of them is just being prepared. And scripture says, I think it's in Hebrews where it says, be prepared in season and out of season. Is that Hebrews or in Timothy? First or second I think you're right. I think it's in Hebrews. Um, But I would want to look it up for sure because I'm I'm not, I, I always feel like confident, but I'm someone that just second guesses myself on everything. But I think even this this connects to just, you know, and we talked about Moses and we talked about him overcoming the bondage of the, of the people and how the first step was that he looked at it and he was aware of it. And it, go, it fits very well with what we were talking about, about it would have been really easy for Moses to just be like, hey, this doesn't really affect me. I'm living, you know, in the palace. I'm I'm good to go. These, you know these burdens that the people are carrying doesn't really affect me. Um, but that, that first step of overcoming bondage is just really making yourself aware that it's there. And it's, it says he looked at it. He didn't, he didn't look away. He like really saw it. And I think, um, that very much does connect with what we're talking about of just being willing to be aware of even the uncomfortable things before they maybe are completely taking over your life. Yeah, well, and one of the other reasons why we should have a bigger picture focus and and try to be prepared is when things do come up then. So, you know, to go back to the drought, like 
some of us have seen it coming since the middle of May. Mm-hmm. Other people might not realize that it's been coming yep. until next week. Right. Um, but often what happens to those people who it's been coming all along, but they've been ignorant to it, is when they finally start to be affected by it, they quickly fall into this victim mindset. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a major difference between someone who has foresight Mm -hmm. and is sort of looking out ahead and trying to be prepared when something bad happens to them or when they experience something tough, they don't jump into that victim mindset. And, And part of being prepared is choosing to not be a victim. And yeah. And there's sort of like, those are two different mindsets and it's like two different people. And I think we can all think of people who we do life with who tend to always default to that victim mindset. And we probably have all done it ourselves at times. Oh, I know I've been guilty of it for sure. But I I think you you nailed it. It's like when, when we hit obstacles... It is honestly like there is just this initial choice that honestly like it it really is going to set the tone for like what happens almost entirely of like, are you going to view yourself as I'm somebody who overcomes obstacles, so I'm going to overcome this? Or do you view yourself as a victim of why does this always happen to me? Everybody else gets all the breaks and I'm always getting these and it's like. I was thinking about the other day of why we're so fast to go to that mindset and what we think we're getting from it. Cause it's like, we're not going to do something if we don't think like it's helping us in some way. But when you look at it, allowing yourself to be the victim does not do any good. Like there's no good that comes out of it whatsoever. But I don't know if it honestly is just trying to protect your ego of like, oh, I don't think I can overcome this, so I have to preemptively make excuses for why I can't to protect my ego or what it is. But if you really break it down, there is no benefit, like zero, to being a victim, to viewing yourself as like, why does all this always happen to me? Right. So I don't know. I mean, that's the best thing I could come up with is we just just, try to protect our own egos, you know? Yeah, and and I guess I I can think of different times in life or different people who I've um, crossed paths with who have been, like, who have stood out or been just exceptional at being the total opposite of a victim. And it's like, you're going through this hard thing but you're like not shaken by it at all. Like you're still the most positive, upbeat, joyful person that I've met despite this. And it's like, I have so much admiration for people who are like that, that it makes me want to be like that. And, and I sometimes think of that, or I think of those people when I have some sort of challenge and I'm like, I want to be like that. Yes. Well, and I think it's, Part of it is just even understanding, and this was huge for me, is to understand that like you were made to do hard things. When you look at how the human body was made, mm-hmm. how your brain is composed, obviously we believe that God like purposefully designed our brains. Like so he purposefully designed our brains 
to have reward systems for doing hard things. That's literally our design. We mm-hmm. were made to do hard things. And I even remember, I think it was like a Twilight Zone episode or whatever, where somebody who was like a, a gambler died and he thought he went to heaven because he won every single time he played. And then after a little while, it was like the big twist was he was actually in hell because it was like, that's the worst possible thing because it takes away any sort of reward system for winning. Like, we have to do hard things. If you don't, you're going to be miserable. If you do not have challenges, you're going to be miserable. And so I think it's just a matter of like, if I want to have any sort of joy and fulfillment in my life... I'm going to have to have challenges. There's no way that my brain is going to work on no challenges. So being able to look at it, it's like, okay, so then this is the one. This is the challenge. I have to have one. Otherwise, I'm going to be miserable if I have no challenge. Right. So this just happens to be the one that that right now I get. And it's just, it's hard because it's usually not the challenge we want. And so it's like... Well, it's actually also usually not just one. Yes. (laughs) They kind of come in barrages. Yes. But I also think that that's part of a victim mindset as well, is sometimes you have one great challenge, and while you're navigating that challenge, you begin viewing everything else as a challenge. And it's like, why is this happening to me? Oh, here we go again. And it's like, it sort of breeds this culture and you just start looking for bad stuff to happen. For sure. Well, and the the other thing that I'm really guilty of is I avoid challenges as long as I can. And so then you have like all of these smaller challenges that you could have taken care of, but you put them off. So they all stacked up. And then when that one big one hits, it's like all of these other little ones now are like demanding to be taken care of at the same time. And so that's part of the thing I've learned too, is like, let's take care of the little challenges when they come. I guess it all (laughs) depends on how we start because I'm thinking about, or or it, it, it depends on like, it's going to be different for every person, but I'm thinking of myself as you're describing that, and I'm the opposite. I'm the type that I want to get on. If I see something that needs to be fixed, and this is probably the biggest thing that we had to learn in our marriage was um, something's wrong. I'm going to fix it right now. Yep. Let's fix this. Yep. Hey, Joss, let's talk about this. And She needs space, yep. and she needs time. Yep. And all I'm doing by trying to get on that problem and make it go away right now is making it worse. Mm -hmm. And so my nature is to tackle things right away. But what I've found over the years is I need to be a little more calculated. Yeah. So I do need to pump the brakes a little bit. Right. So like you and I are starting out in different places. You're recognizing that you can't drag your feet so long i'm recognizing that i need to drag my feet a little bit right well it's funny because that's so my marriage is completely different where it's like it'll be like 10 45 at night and we'll be about to like literally go to bed and les will be like the dishwasher doesn't look like it's quite running and she'll be like let's take this apart and i'm like at 10 45 at night where like we don't need to do this right now can we wait until like I'm awake to like do this, but she's very much like, it's like, she won't be able to, if she feels yeah. like something's wrong, it's like, until she feels like it's now fixed, she won't be able to go to sleep. And so it's like, we've had that same tension of like, 
me being like, no, we are not going to do this tonight. But at the same time, she's also like, okay, but it can't be four months before you take this apart and take a look at it. Yeah. Um, Because I think one of my things, I want to feel motivated to do it. I want to do it at a time where I'm like excited to do it. Because I do have those moments where I want a project. So it's almost like, let me save that. But the problem is it's like you save too many of them and then all of a sudden you get in the situation like I said where all of a sudden a big challenge hits and you haven't dealt with all the little ones. So now you're like having to take on all of them at once. So it definitely is a lesson to learn. Yeah, and I'm just thinking like I can empathize with Leslie because I'm the same way. And it's like there there will be something on my mind. This has to get taken care of and – And the more time that goes by that it's not getting checked off the list or off of my mind, the more I get anxious about it. And so, like, last week, um, it was, like, it was dark out. It was a really busy night. We were – I didn't have time. There's this repair I needed to make on our tractor, and I hadn't had time, hadn't had time. I go outside to um, close the door on our chicken coop, Mm -hmm. which is like the last thing I do every night. And then I'm like, oh, I'm going to go look at the tractor. And I started working on it. And then there was like this one thing I could not get, and I'm getting super frustrated. And I'm like starting to pound on this thing because I I can't get this pin in. And I'm like... I stop for a second. I'm like, you are ridiculous. Like, why are you working on this right now? Right. And the next morning, after the kids got on the bus, I walked out there and I grabbed that pin and it went, clip. Yep. <laughs> it just went. Absolutely. <laughs> well, and it is. And that's where there's wisdom. And that's what I love about marriage is that it forces you. There is no right answer. It's not like, well, is it right to do it immediately or is it right to wait? It's like... There's no right answer. It's a balance. It's a tension of like you both learn that, yeah, there is times to say, we got to just knock this out. We got to get this taken care of. And there are times to say, this does not need to be done tonight. We need to get some sleep and Mm -hmm. do it on on a day where it makes way more sense for us to do this because this is not an emergency and this does not need to be taken care of. But I think it is. I think it's just... It even just goes back to this idea of like when it comes to challenges, obstacles, things in our way, how we how we choose to deal with it or not deal with it will will greatly affect how how much they stack up and just even how easy it is for us to slide into that victim mentality of why does this always happen to me and mm-hmm. why does everyone else get the breaks and no one else gets all these challenges that I get and things. Yeah, well, number one, that last statement, no one else, that's not true. Right. And then the answer to the question, why does this always happen to me? Because it has to. Yes. Like, we have to have that stuff. Yes. If you had no challenges, you would be miserable. And I think that that's the first truth I'd understand. Because I honestly thought for a long time, like, the point of life was to navigate around hard things. Like, I really... It wasn't even like I was lazy. I honestly thought that was wisdom. Like, a wise life. that's most people do. Yeah. All all marketing and and everything, it revolves around how can we circumvent any 
tough things Avoid hard life. things. Yeah. yeah. Avoid. And it was like, and that's where for me, it was, that's where anxiety was horrible. When, it, when I lived a life where I was always trying to avoid the hard things and try to find my way to like beat the system and not have to go through the choppy waters, that's when my anxiety was the worst. Cause it's like, you're basically telling yourself you're not able to overcome this. You have to run. And that's a really bad mindset to mm-hmm. constantly be telling yourself. And that's when I first understood, like, like you said, like the, the only way for me to have joy and peace and fulfillment in life is to be always taking on hard things. Not just let me take on a couple hard things and then I can set myself up to coast. It's like, no, cause then you're going to be, who wants to coast for the rest of their life? What's the mm-hmm. point? And once it's like, no, hard things are good. They're part of life. It's always going to like, that's where all the feel good chemicals come out of your brain is when you're, you've done something hard and you've overcome it. And so when an obstacle comes, it's like, oh, okay. So this is my thing. It's like, you have to eat every day. And so it's like, when someone puts food in front of you, it's like, oh, so this is what I have to eat. Like eating's a part of life. So here's what I eat. And maybe it's not your favorite meal. Maybe you're like, well, I wish I was, but like at the end of the day, it's like, here's what's before you, you got to eat, just go ahead and eat. It might not be your favorite, but this is, this is what you got. And it's the same with obstacles and challenges might not be the one you want, but you got to have them. And that's what you got. So go ahead and take it on. This probably isn't the best analogy to use because it, it, it is such a stark contrast to the level of challenges. But I just happened as you were saying that actually, Tomorrow would be my grandpa Cavadini's birthday, and he was in World War II. Yeah. He was in the invasion of Salerno, which was in Italy. Wow. So it was just like Normandy, yep. but in Italy. And when he would talk about the war, he always said, we we're like, how in the world did you survive that? Like, what you guys were asked to do was impossible. Right. Like, the enemies were up on top of a mountain with mounted machine guns waiting for you guys to get out of the boat and run across the wide open beach. And they just had, they were able to just start firing at you. And somehow a couple guys survived it. But he always said, I didn't even think about it when it got to that point. Like, that actually and there was nothing easy about it but he said that was the easy part the hard part was riding over there in the boat he's like we just could not wait to get out of that boat yes that the anticipation and so Mm -hmm. like what you were describing before it's like anticipating the storm yes and anticipating how you're gonna get around it and how you're gonna avoid it is way harder on us than just experiencing it and that's if you're always trying to circumvent the storm you are literally keeping yourself stuck in the worst part because then you're always having to anticipate am i going to be able to get away is it going to catch up is is it going to be right in front of like and if you just take it on that's what what so i'm I'm going to talk about CrossFit. It's been a couple of episodes, though. <laughs> but but one of the most famous CrossFit people is Rich Froning. He's, like, yep. really well Even known. I know who he is. Okay. So. And his his whole, like, logo and everything is, is a buffalo, and it says, mm-hmm. into the storm. And, like, I don't know if you've heard this. I don't think I've explained this before. But basically, the whole idea is that most animals, when they can sense a storm is coming, they, they try to run away from it. And the, the problem is the storm 
always catches up to you, mm-hmm. but you're running in the same direction as the storm. So you actually end up being in the storm for yeah. the longest amount of time once it catches up to you. And Buffalo do the opposite. When a storm is coming, they like gather together, they all stay in the herd and they just sprint directly at the storm because mm-hmm. then it's like, yeah, you get hit with it sooner, but you're through it way because you're running the opposite way. So yeah. the storm passes through you and that's his whole thing is like, we, we run into the storm. We don't run away from it. And because if you're running away from it, you're in it for way longer. Yeah. Like, and I think it's just that whole, like you said, it's the anticipation is the worst part. And if you're always trying to avoid and circumvent the storm, it's like you're in the worst part for the longest possible time. And so that is one of those things that I learned a lot from even just CrossFit and all that is to be someone who just, oh, there's a challenge. Let's run into it and not avoid it because even if it's as bad as we think it is we might as well do it there's a there's a quote that i love that's like well if we're gonna fail we might as well do it quickly you know it's like you might as well just if if it's if this is going to be the storm that really takes you out then might as well get it over with and then move on but usually if you run directly at it and take it on it is not something that is going to hurt nearly as much when you run away from it and you let that storm catch up to you that's when it really hurts because you're in it for a long time well just to clarify earlier uh, when I was fumbling around trying to cite scripture it was 2nd Timothy verse or 2nd Timothy chapter 4 preach the word be prepared in season and out of season I was confusing I was kind of blending that verse with um, Hebrews, uh, let's see, Hebrews 12, um, where it talks about, since we're surrounded by such a great co- cloud of witnesses, mm-hmm. let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Yep. So I was blending those two together, which yes. are two good ones to blend together. But. Yep. Well, and that's, that happens to me all the time. That's why when everyone's like, when everyone is like, is that second Timothy? I'm like, mm, I think so, but. That's also why anytime someone is like, I'm not good at remembering scripture, I say, who cares? Right. Well, and that's what we are very blessed to have phones that we can look things up yeah. all the time. Um, so, no, that's that's really good. And I think that that's the overall heart of this whole series. And I think, like, you nailed it, is like, whenever we say, like, no one else gets these challenges, it's like, that's where it's like, no, we're going to look at, like, a bunch of people that God used in the Bible and see that literally everybody has major obstacles. So let, yeah. So maybe the point is let's stop viewing challenges. Let, let's change the way we view challenges, view challenges. I really like the into the storm. In fact, I wrote it down so I can remember to name this episode into the storm. Nice. I like it. Um, but this goes into another thing you talked about yesterday, which um, just talking about the lessons learned out of the Israelites um, running, crossing the Red Sea. Yes. And like we've heard that story a million times, any of us who have spent, you know, who have grown up in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, but you really described it in a way that I haven't thought about it a lot of times and how it was necessary. So like, the, we probably haven't spent a lot of time putting ourselves in the shoes of the Israelites. Right. 
thinking about what that must have been like to be asked to walk into this clearance yes. in the sea with water standing up on both sides. Like, that was a scary thing. Absolutely. Like, who's going to do that? Yes. Well, and it's like you have to understand the Israelites are already scared. They don't know what's going on. Like, we have the benefit of reading this story in hindsight. But in their story, it's like they're slaves, then they obeyed God, and their lives kept getting worse and worse. Yeah. And then finally, it's like you can you can leave, but they're still just like slaves that are like just left. They have no real provisions. So then they leave. All of a sudden, the Israelites start chasing them. And now they're literally pinched between a sea and Egyptians coming with chariots to like destroy them. And it's like, what? God, we are literally obeying you. And then God's like, here, no, don't worry about it. Go ahead and walk into the sea. And they're going, everything, every time we've obeyed you, things have gotten worse. Yeah. And for them to, but again, for him to destroy that bondage they had to walk in first. Like the Egyptians would not have gone in there unless they were chasing the Israelites in there. And like, you have to have the courage to walk into those situations. And that's where I gave my own personal one about people pleasing and ministry of like, yeah, like you have to be willing to walk into the situation where your bondage is going to die. And that's where for me, it's like, that was my example, but for all of us, it might be completely different where your bondage might be perfectionism and God's going to call you to serve him in a way that like, you're not going to be able to do it perfect and you're going to have to make mistakes. It's like, are you willing to like put yourself into that situation where it's like, that's where your bondage is going to die. It can't survive in that situation, but you have to have the courage to walk in before that's going to follow you into there. So there's lots of things in life that could be described as bondage for someone. It it could be like a thing like you described, people-pleasing, which is like a chronic thing or addiction or anything of that category, a personal thing that that we're bound by and it's keeping us from getting to where we need to get in life. Um, but there's also like situational bondage, which yep. is like there's this thing going on in life right now that I don't see a way through this. Yes. Um, the the similar, but they both bring us to a place of we're being called to something on the other side of it. Yes. And we're not going to get there unless we are able to at first look at that thing that's that we are in bondage to or the yes. thing that has us bound um so number one look at it recognize it is what it is and recognize that there is no way out of that right well and and be unwilling to accept that that's how things are going to be like that was you know it would have been really easy for Moses to look, see what's going on, and then just be like, well, I don't know. It, it, at least they're feeding our people, and it, it survives. You know, we, and even the Israelites fell back into that of like, we should just go back to slavery. It wasn't that bad. You know, we would rather be able to cope with things from our bondage than have to be out in the wilderness dealing with the reality of life. And so it's like you have to look at it, and then you have to just make that decision to say no. 
I will not stay in this. I know mm-hmm. it's going to be really hard and it's going to be scary, but I refuse to have this be life. I will not bow to this. Well, and I think the important thing to remember is oftentimes it's going to result in us getting to the very last, the end of it, the end of the rope, whatever yes. that rope is. Yep. And the other good example of this is Abraham and Isaac. Yes. And Abraham had the knife lifted in the air Mm -hmm. one second from coming down to sacrifice his son. Like, that's how far God let it get. So whether you're talking about the Israelites, and I think the way I understand the story is it wasn't even a matter of them going back into slavery at that point. It was they were going to be killed (laughs) because they were trying to flee. I think some of them, because Pharaoh did say, like, why did we give up this free labor? So he, I think, was going to take them. He was trying them, to take them back. But there was going to be a lesson that well, he let's was going to say, make. Yeah, it yeah, was going to be There was going to be a lot of death of, like, we're going to teach you a lesson, and we're going to kill a lot of your people, and then we're going to take some of them back as slaves, so would be my guess. they weren't necessarily between a rock and a hard place. They were between someone who was going to kill them and yep. a body of water. Yes. That they could not cross. Yes. And so they were down to their last breath. They were at the end of their rope. That's how far God let it get before they were presented with one way to go and one way only. But that way required them to still charter the unknown. Yes. And God let them pass through. And the enemies were swept away. Yep. Well, and that's what I'll even just say. Chances are, if you if you take on your bondage, things are going to get worse before they get better. Like that's and we see this. Yeah. With well, the and that's things that's are also get worse. and I mean, and the reason for that is part of it is necessary yes. for God to accomplish what He wants. But the other part of it is is that's that's the enemy's tactics as well. Like, let's see if we can get them to turn back. Absolutely. Well, and you also have to understand part of the problem with being in bondage. And we, we read this on Sunday too, is you have allowed someone or something else to own you. And so going through the process of like, this thing owns me and I've given it authority over me. And I have to go through that transition of removing myself from that. At the beginning, you're going to be revolting and disobeying something that has its yoke on you. So it has the ability to hurt and punish you still at the beginning. And you have to be willing to go through that of, I know your yoke is on me, mm-hmm. but I I'm revolting against you and I'm disobeying you and I will not listen to what you say. And you, and, and it's going to whip you and it's going to beat you and it's going to try to put you back under its feet. And that is going to be a process that you have to be willing to go through. And that's where, like I said, you have to make that decision of, I, I refuse to let this be how things are. And I know this is going to be really hard, but I, 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 will, I, I will walk through what I need to walk through because I refuse to have whatever this thing is own me. I won't let so it happen. There's, so like for anyone listening, and even for you and I, I mean, we even talked about how it's just a, a season right now with some tough stuff to deal with. Yeah. 
that's normal. I mean, it's yep. it's life. But there's there's sort of two things for any of us um, who are dealing with something, whether it's a, a chronic thing that we've been dealing with for years, or if it's just a, a rough patch right now and a couple things to navigate that we just don't have an answer to how to solve this problem the first thing is to choose to not be a victim like yep. that's a choice yes. you're yes. not going to get anywhere if you're choosing to be a victim yep so the first thing is to just decide in your mind and resolve in the fact that you're not a victim mm-hmm. then the next one is to realize that it's not your job to overcome your right. bondage Absolutely. whatever that thing is it like it isn't your job so for anyone who's been unsuccessful at overcoming something personal for many many years yes. like a big reason why that's been unsuccessful is because you have been of the viewpoint that you have to fix it yourself right you can't absolutely your job is to fight and claw your way to god like that's your job because and that's why i say it's going to get worse is because whatever it is that's owning you is not going to want to let you leave but god will make a way for you to get to him and then if you get yourself to god and you press in either that bondage is going to have to let you go or it's going to have to chase you into God. And now your bondage has to deal with God. And that's where the Egyptians are like, let's flee because we're not dealing with the Israelites. We're mm-hmm. dealing with their God and we got to get out of here. And that's, that's what happens. Like you, you're not strong enough to beat your bondage, but God is going to get you away to him. And if you are willing to claw and scratch, even while whatever that bondage is tries to beat you down and tries to punish you and tries to, you know, really regain that ownership of you, if you just will are willing to claw and scratch your way, God will make a way to him. And then that bondage has to deal with God. And that's where you win. And that's where your bondage will be like, I made a mistake following you here because it can't overcome God. And that's the thing is you don't have to be strong enough to overcome it. You just have to look for what what is the way that God is making for you to get to him and, and just claw and scratch your way there. And it's going to be hard and uncomfortable because that whatever that bondage is, is going to be trying to whip you the whole time you're walking there. But just get there. I just picture like a father or a football coach or someone who's in like a position of leadership and you're you're getting into a moment where the fire is hot Mm -hmm. and you start questioning is this gonna work is this game i don't know if i trust the game plan anymore but then that father football coach or leader whoever it is is like hey eyes on me eyes on me absolutely what did we talk about we just trust me through this absolutely this is gonna work but we have to keep our composure yes yep and that's what I feel like there are moments of life that are like that where it's like I don't think I can handle one more thing right I, I don't see a way through this like this isn't I can't calculate how this is gonna work this yep. isn't penciling out like yep. there I don't foresee any way that this is gonna end well yes um, but sometimes God is just like hey eyes on me yep Yep, it is. And it's like our job is to get to God. That's it. And like he's going to make the way just like he did for the Israelites. It's like I'm making a way. It's going to be uncomfortable. And yes, like your bondage is going to really punish and try to hurt you as you're moving to me. But 
you have to just follow my lead and, and take the path that I'm giving you and obey. And that's, to me, I love that part of the story when the Egyptians all of a sudden realize like, oh, we're not, we're not contending with the Israelites. Mm-hmm. We followed them to a bad place. And just if I keep chasing after where God is calling me and just clawing and scratching my way on the path he's laid out for me, no matter how bad my bondage tries to beat me on the way, like if it follows me, the joke is going to be on it because God is going to deal harshly with whatever that thing is. Right. And it's just trusting that the whole way of even like you said, like with the whole coach analogy, coach analogy is, yeah, your bondage is going to try to punish you. And, and you just have to keep saying in your head, like, just, just wait, mm-hmm. wait until I get where I'm going and, Cause you're not going to have to deal with me and you're not going to like what's happening. And I think it's just telling yourself that like, if I just keep going where God's calling me and keep pressing in this bondage is going to have to deal with him and it's going to go real bad for that bondage. And I think for me, that's always been that not like a revenge factor, but just telling myself like it's worth it. It's worth yeah. this pain right now because well, it's and, and so for to use your example of people pleasing, it's like you could easily by be crippled by. Okay, what are they going to think? Yeah. How are they going to respond to this? How how are you know are they going to get mad? Are yeah. they going to is this going to hurt them or? Yeah. And that could just you could just be absolutely bound yes. by that to where you can't do anything yep. but if you take a step back and look at the big picture yep. and remember that you're playing the long game here right um everything comes out clear in the end absolutely well and it's in, in that's where you have to move closer guys you see this with the the disciples in the new testament like after jesus ascends and they just start preaching the gospel and the religious leaders jail them and like beat them and they're literally like you need to stop preaching like we are serious and the disciples are like what do you want us to do they're like do you want us to fear you over god we can't we are like we are so worried about what god thinks we cannot care about what you think we just can't and like that's where you you press in so close to god where you are so worried about what he thinks that it just that bondage of well what if someone's mad it's like i don't like there's no place for me to worry about that because i am so concerned about Mm -hmm. what god thinks and and making him proud and being faithful to the call he has on my life just understanding that in the end and this isn't always like, like maybe whoever it is who you're fretting over never will come to a point of seeing why it had to right. yep. why it had to transpire the way it did. Yep. But I I would say often the case is in the end it it ends up working out and then the picture becomes more clear. But it's yes. hardly ever clear when you're going through it. Absolutely. And it and it is. It's it's just getting to that point where it's like, okay, there's really only one opinion that matters. And like, and that's the thing is like, you don't, you're not a jerk to people. Cause like, right. if I, if I worry about what God thinks, I'm going to be kind. I'm not going to go out of my way. I mean, even the Bible says, as far as it's up to you, be at peace with everybody, but understand like, yeah, I'm, I've got to be ready to have people disapprove of what mm-hmm. I'm doing and be like, 
hey, that I'm sorry, but it, it's not about I need to care less about what people think. That's not the answer. I need to care more about what God thinks. That's the answer. Mm -hmm. And that's where it's always about pressing in closer to where God is calling you. That's always the answer for freedom. Because then it's like, you know, if if my job is to care less, that's not going to go very good because I'm someone who does care. And that's like trying to numb that is not going to go well for me. So my care just needs to go to a better place. And that's that's where freedom is. And that's where, again, we talked about how Jesus was like, take on my yoke. My yoke is light. So even in my situation, it's like, okay, people want to put this yoke on you of you have to please me. That's heavy and it's bonding and like you will be absolutely just tied down for the rest of your life and stuck. He's like, instead of that, take on my yoke. Worry about what I think. Like, that's right. way better. And and that's freeing. It's it's going to be light, I promise you. And if that yoke is on you of I care so much about what Jesus thinks, then there's not going to be place around your neck for anyone else's yoke. And, like, that's always the answer. And that's why moving closer to where God is calling you, taking that path he's provided for you as a way out, that's always the answer because that's where your bondage dies is in that place. Well, and I know that this episode isn't solely about people pleasing but to just put a bow on that part of this conversation here is a a scripture that i've leaned on a lot over the years out of first peter chapter 2 verse 12 says live such a good life live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong they may see they may see your good deeds and glorify god on the day he visits us yep well, and even Proverbs, that's actually, I think, going to be my next tattoo is it's the fear of man is a snare. And that's, yeah. we're talking about bondage. Like people pleasing is bondage. Like the Bible flat out says it, it's a snare. It will trap you and hold you down. And, but again, the answer is not, well, I need to care less about what people think. Nope, that's not the answer. Right. It's caring way more about what, that's what freedom is. And that's the, the interesting thing is this idea of a yoke of something going around your neck it's, it means bondage for anything, any yoke in this entire world is bondage except for Jesus. Mm-hmm. His is somehow freedom. So it's like to care about what Jesus thinks is actually the most freeing thing on this planet. Because now I'm free to only please one person. How freeing is that? That's amazing. But anything else where it's, I got to make this person happy, I got to make this happy, I got to please this, it's all bondage. And that's where it just goes back to where Jesus is like, take on my yoke. Like, I love you. This is, like, this is light and it's going to free you. Mm-hmm. Let, let yourself take on my yoke. And that's always going to be the answer to, to any of these is even God with the Israelites. Don't be the Egyptians people, be my people. Take on my yoke. That's the answer. And watch me protect you and watch me destroy any other bondage that's trying to take you if you let yourself be mine. It's it's like you have to run into God's ownership versus right. the world's, you know, and that's that's always gonna be the answer. I think well, that's I, a good place to wrap it up. Too. Yeah, I do too. You wanna close us in prayer? Sure. Okay. Lord, we talked quite a bit about um, burdens today, and I just uh, pray for anyone. I actually, 
I pray for everyone who is listening to this because we all have burdens. It's not a question of if we do, it's we all do and and it's it's really about how we handle them. And so I just um, pray um, that you can give us um, some guidance and and some opportunities for us to choose um, to not be victims in, in the situations that we find ourselves in and and to not be um, bound by those burdens and by the situations um, that we are challenged by, but rather to turn to you and, and to not be um, slowed by the yoke of any of these things or unequally yoked with anyone, but to just choose to be led by you through these. Um, and we just thank you that that your uh, yoke is easy. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.